0: Good to see you again. I'm here for the um, third of three weeks and um, chosen, I don't know, it uh, seems so, somewhat strange to me now, a little series on three of the great deadly sins. Now don't, mis- don't mistake, this. all of this funnels down to Christ, right? And the Bible is just repeat, repeat, replete with uh, stories, examples of people who acted ungodly, much more so than good examples, save for our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're looking at some of these, what were termed in the old days, deadly sins, and we're looking at their opposites, of course. So we looked at pride and humility. You cannot uh, uh, harbor pride. You cannot be a proud person and, uh, and still walk with Christ. It's utterly impossible. It's foundational. It's foundational. Then uh, last week, we looked at greed. We looked at greed, and in the contrast I chose, uh, contentment. Mark Riggs made another great suggestion of generosity. There's just, you, know, a lot of uh, opposites there, but greed, you know, and, and just Jesus is be, be, be on your guard against all forms of greed. Uh, and we, don't want, we want to be generous people, giving people, content people, with what, content with what we have. And because why? Because that's Christ. The life he lives through us will look like that. Does that make sense? And we want to be able to identify the deeds of the flesh that are contrary to him. Because there is such that constant contrast, isn't there? Uh, Even in the New Testament. Don't be like this. Be like this. So today we're going to look at our last, maybe most uh, applicable of the three. And that is the... um, sin, and its opposite of anger. Anger. Uh, this is huge. So let me pray for us again, and we'll jump right in. Our gracious uh, Father and King, um, we love you, and we love your word. We pray that the Holy Spirit would take that which is yours and imparted unto us, enlighten us by your word and build us up, Father, in our innermost beings, that Jesus Christ might be home at home there and that uh, your spirit might uh, just show himself powerful through us. Father, I yield my mouth to you today, my words, and I pray you would fill my mouth with Things that are helpful, beneficial to my brothers and sisters, I ask through the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, let's begin turning to Genesis. I had the privilege of being at His Hill for many, many years, uh, students, staff, and now guest speaker. And I have the privilege of hearing so many great speakers through the years. And of course, uh, for me anyway, major thomas was the one who who speaking influence the most once or twice uh, if i recall he'd, he'd get up and he'd say something like this he'd say uh, how many times does god have to say something for it to be true and of course we would say once so what he would do he'd go way back to, <laughs> to genesis and he'd start working through you know all the way to the book of revelation And uh, you could tell he had already uh, made up his uh, references where to go to the next passage. But he would just take it through on that one thing. I remember he did it on the third day, the emphasis on the third day in the Bible. He did it on the nature of faith one time, just starting with Abraham, going through these great acts and faith, ending with, of course, Jesus Christ and the very nature of faith and what it means to live by faith. So... I'm going to give that a shot today. We're going to do that with, uh, Lord willing, with uh, anger. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 34. Genesis chapter 34. At this stage, you know, Jacob has sons, got a bunch of sons. And uh, one day, the one daughter, the one daughter of uh, Jacob, whose name was Dinah, was... Was raped. And um, we're going to pick that story up in verse 7, chapter 34, verse 7 of Genesis. Now the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they had heard it, and the men were grieved, and they were very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter for such a thing ought not to be now at this point i don't believe their anger itself is wrong i'd be angry you'd be angry we ought to be angry there are things that anger us but their anger went too far and they made this plot and the plot involved okay if we want to intermarry all you guys have got to be circumcised bizarre history but nonetheless it's there And so they all agreed, which is unimaginable to me and you. But uh, it says when they were weak... um, Well, let's look look at it in verse... uh, Okay, let's look at verse 25. Now, it came about on the third day when they were in pain that two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, Each took his sword and came upon the city unawares and killed every male. They killed every male. Here's some of you saying amen, Uh, but no. I think forward to a passage we're going to take a peek at, and it says never, never take your own revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God of God. Leave room for the wrath of God. Flip forward in Genesis now to chapter 49. Right at the end of Genesis uh, Jacob calls his sons together and he's going to bless them. He's going to bless them and and give somewhat uh, of a prophecy about how all the tribes will be uh, what what they might be like, what their character is and um, God links Simeon and Levi together and says this in the verse 5 through 7, Genesis 49, 5 through 7. Here's the prophecy of Jacob concerning his sons. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are implements of violence. Let my soul not enter into their council. Let not my glory be united with their assembly Because in their anger they slew men, and in their self-will they lamed oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce. And their wrath, for it is cruel, I will disperse them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. They really didn't have a unified land for Levi. And Simeon, through various means. Uh, Amazing. God took note of that, didn't he? Cursed be their anger. I had the sad and wonderful opportunity. Uh, I grew up in a home where I um, experienced and witnessed great anger from my father when he was there. Yet the most amazing, here's our opposite word for the day, forbearance from my mother. A woman of great forbearance. Forbearance. To maintain some assembly of peace in the home, she would take it. She would forbear. And I loved her for it. Great woman and a great, great example. It says here, "Cursed be their anger, uh, for in their anger they slew a man, and in their wrath. The two words uh, when we get to the New Testament are, are used in, in certain places the same, wrath and anger, except wrath usually is, is the outpouring of that anger. Does that make sense? If I am angry at you and I you know, punch you, then I, I exploded in wrath. I exploded in wrath. We'll see that when we get to the New Testament. Uh, horrible thing. Um, anger sort of stirs up, isn't it? Sort of rests in the heart and um, it comes out, it comes out, sad to say. And in some people, in all of us, it comes out way too quickly, or else it bubbles up in the heart way too quickly. I've met very few people who do not seem to struggle. Uh, with uh, anger, maybe they uh, just haven't had the opportunities yet. Ellen said she never struggled with anger until she married me. Uh, <laughs> I can I can see that. Um, turn to Exodus, Genesis. We're not going to hit every book, so don't worry. We're going to look at Exodus chapter uh, 20. Exodus chapter 20 in verse 8 I think I have the wrong book but if I do I will um, move us along yeah that's a it's numbers I believe but anyway here's the story God took the children of Israel out to the wilderness remember that and God told them uh, they got thirsty and Moses says go over to this rock and strike the rock and it will give forth water for you right remember that And so later on, near the end of their journey, they came to a similar situation where they're very thirsty. Uh, And they came to the rock. And God says, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock and it shall yield its waters. Uh, And Moses struck the rock in anger a second time. He struck the rock in anger. And guess who was punished for it? The rebellious people or Moses? Moses. And uh, who remembers what his punishment was? Yeah, God says, you, this one outburst of anger, this one outburst of anger, and he says, you're not going into the promised land. You're staying right here. And you're going to die in the wilderness. God takes this seriously especially among leaders. And leaders with leaders I would include fathers, dads, husbands. Huge responsibility, anger. Um, turn to Psalm 106. I want to In Psalm 106, Psalm 106 is one of those uh, psalms that uh, Recount the history of Israel. You know, it's a long psalm. If you've got to memorize one, memorize Psalm 117, not this, seven, Psalm uh, 106. And very interesting uh, statement. And from this verse, I would like to draw my conclusion from those first two ex- examples we have seen Psalm 106 verse 32 and 33. Now he's recounting the history of Israel in in the psalm, and uh, we'll pick up the psalm in verse 32. You with me? 106, 32. They also provoked him to wrath at the waters of Mirabal. Provoked Moses. They provoked him to wrath. Now look at this. So it went hard for Moses on... Their account. Wow. Because they were rebellious against his spirit, he, Moses, spoke rashly with his lips. And I've got written down uh, in my margin here, and I got it written, Lord willing, on the tablet of my heart Do not let the sin of others provoke you to sin. Uh, like uh, Simeon and Levi, and like Moses does here. Uh, There was one time in the life of David when he was provoked to anger. Remember when he went and sent his men to try to find a little bread? Uh, And they went over there, and the chief of the herdsmen uh, turned away his men, treated them uh, disdainfully, and David, it says, burned with anger. His anger kindled within him, and he went over to slay the guy. And his wife, not David's wife, but the wife of the fellow Nabal, uh, came out and said, don't do it. Don't take your own revenge. And David stopped and thanked the girl. Imagine that. He allowed that moment in his life to stop him, to think it over, and to not do what his anger had provoked him to do, had provoked him to do, anger. Uh, It's a terrible thing, especially in our homes. Anger in the home, in my opinion, ruins everything. I think nothing quenches the spirit quicker, causes tension, uh, produces uh, children who live in fear when a father is given to anger. I know we we, we all display anger at times, and we should acknowledge that and seek forgiveness always. But a man given to anger... Not Let's spend a lot of time. Let's spend some time in the book of Proverbs because that says a lot about anger. It says a lot about anger. 14.29 Proverbs. We're going to start there. But why are you saying so much? About, because the Bible says so much about it. It says so much about this, both in illustration and type and picture and command Prohibition. In 1429, it says this. He who is slow to anger has great understanding. He who is quick-tempered exalts folly. When, you're, when you act in anger, you're going to do something foolish that you regret. You're going to sin. You're going to sin. There's a, one of my favorite. Uh, I read a lot of... Uh, I've read a lot of uh, Civil War history, and I've got that big six-volume thing of Carl Sandburg on Lincoln. Very, very good read. And uh, I think it's in there he recounts, uh, and he says he's not sure if the uh, tale is true, but when he was courting uh, Mary Todd, he was sitting one day with her on a bench, and he took out his pocket knife, and he drew up her skirt and st- Cut it. And she said, Mr. Lincoln, why would you do such a thing? He said, I wanted to see if you're a woman given to temper. (laughs) (laughs) Well, find out quickly. (laughs) That's not a recommendation, guys. (laughs) And by the way, so Mr. Bush said we could. But uh, yeah, if you're uh, quick to anger, that is not good. Let's keep moving on. Uh, Fifteen, eighteen. 18. Here's a, 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 an amazing commentary on what anger can do. Let's say in the midst of a, a, of a church, let's say, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife. If there's strife in a church, somebody's angry. I don't know, there might be an exception to that, but I don't think I've seen one or, or can imagine one. The anger, of course, is always covered in righteousness. Amen. The anger, of course, is, well, I'm standing up for the, the truth. We're, uh, we, we just we're not going to go there and, and these kind of things. But look at the opposite here in verse: A, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife. But the slow to anger pacifies contention. Our job, especially uh, elders, deacons, and dads in the family, our job is to pacify, is to stifle anger, is to not allow these things to explode and get out of hand, to explode and get out of hand. Uh, it's our job. It's one of our jobs, to be slow to anger. It's a qualification qualification. For an anger, right? It's a quali- uh, for an anger for an elder, <laughs> elder and anger, they sort of go together. <laughs> um, it's a qualification, and um, I remember I was very I was too young, but I was asked to be an elder at this uh, church I first went to. I was way too young, and I uh, sat there astounded as the, there was this fight going on amongst the elders, not a fist fight, but Oh my, it was hot. There were words I've never seen in the Bible. <laughs> uh, but it's ugly. Anger is ugly. and uh, But we want to be slow to anger, be able to pacify anger. 1632, 1632, same chapter. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty... And he who rules his spirit than he who captures the city. This is my uh, memory verse on this whole topic. You know, pick you one, but this is the one I like. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Want to be mighty? Want to be strong in spirit? Want to be a man, a woman of influence? Well, make sure you are slow to anger because you're better than the mighty. Uh, I remember uh, Muhammad Ali. Everybody remember him? And he would fight, and he would poke around and dance and do this, and he would make his opponent so angry at times if they fell for it, if they took the bait. He would make his opponent so angry that they would just come at him, and then he would, boom, you know, one and out. Uh, Smart tactic. You see it in football and basketball games that these guys are running up and down, yelling things in each other's ears, right? Right? trash-talking, we call it, and just hoping that the other guy is going to react and what? Commit a foul, right? Let the opponent get angry, get out of control, make them pay for it. But the slow to anger is better than the mighty. And listen to this, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures the city. We want to be men and women of self-control, not controlled by self, but control of self, by the Holy Spirit, Right? One who rules his spirit, who can control those emotions and bring them under the reins of God and God's word, uh, slow to anger. I remember once uh, Charlie probably remembers this. We had a student. I tell this story on the poor guy, and I never remember—I never say his name, though I remember it. He was a big guy. He was a big strong guy and one day I had to call him into my office I was director at that time and uh, sat there at that big desk and uh, this guy was on the other side and he took his fist like this and he banged that desk and you know pencil shook and he says these rules make me angry I said no I said, these rules do not make you angry. These rules are just the opportunity to expose the anger that is within you. The anger, right? People can provoke us to anger, but most things, things that are lawful and good and for our good, do not make, we cannot blame our anger on something or someone else. Does that make sense? Yes, Moses was provoked. To anger. But his response to that anger brought severe chastisement from God. 1911, we'll get skip through this pretty good. How are we doing so far? Still awake? Following me? Mad at me? <laughs> 1911, a man's discretion makes him slow to anger. In other words, you You stop and you think, you know, it's stupid to get angry. A man's discretion. A man's discretion. And it is a glory to overlook a transgression. There's our forbearance. Overlook a transgression. Something make you angry? I'm finding the vast majority of times, I can just overlook it. I can forbear it about that. Well, Bill, when you forbear, aren't you condoning that sin? No. Not always. There's times to speak, and when you do speak, you do not need to speak in anger, right? To address a sin, or a problem, or a matter of discipline in the home. Uh, Dads, I feel for you. Moms, I feel for you. I really do. Children, (laughs) I feel for you. Uh, Because man, the the pressure is there to just at times uh, feel we're at our at our very end. But look at 19.19. 19. A man of great anger shall bear his penalty. Yeah, a man of great anger shall bear his penalty. We saw it in Simeon. We saw it in Levi. We saw it in Moses. We see it throughout the scriptures. And uh, for if you have to rescue him, you'll just have to do it again. Get a guy out of trouble. Get things smoothed out. Settle those fights so we get right. Right. Everything's good, and then before you know it, what? The guy is angry at something else. And it's not the thing, it's where. Where's the anger? The anger is in the heart. The anger is in the heart. Let me tell you one more story that drove this home to me. We used to live in Poteet, uh, yes, and on a 100-acre sticker farm, Emma used to call it. And... uh, had a well, of course, and one day, the uh, no water. Pressure just went out. So, of course, we called the well man. And, of course, it was a Sunday. And, of course, time was double and all that. So he came out, and he starts uh, pulling the pipe. It was galvanized pipe. It was an old well, and the water had eaten a hole through that Spot so the well was pushing up water and just going out the hole and back down. So he replaced it with PVC and then he said, Would you like me to clean out your pressure pump? I said, No, nah. I said, No, we've, we've never had any trouble with that. He goes, Yeah, watch this. So you know that valve on pressure tanks? He took that valve and he filled that thing up so where I thought it was gonna burst. And he opened the valve and this rusty, filthy. Dirty water came pouring out and pouring out. And it ran and it ran till it got clear. And I said, where was that? He says it was settled at the bottom inside of the tank. That's where anger is. We think we have none, but you had a little pressure. You had the right situation. The pressure adds, the pressure rises, and what? Boom. There it comes up. There it comes up. Anger. And uh, chapter 22. I'll finish my point with chapter, uh, chapter, uh, Proverbs 22, verses 24. Here's a great one for single ladies. Uh Here's a great one for anyone thinking of going into business with a partner. In chapter uh, 22, verses uh, 24. No wonder, that's 24:22. Do not, goodness, do not associate with a man given to anger. I think the King James says, don't go with a man given to anger you got a boyfriend who's angry. Well, he will never be angry at me. He loves me, right? He's sweet. and He's just angry at his ma and his boss and his, you know, his dad and his dog. Don't go with a man given to anger. It's not a good thing. Uh, considering a business partner, if a man's given to anger, don't, don't do it. Do not associate with a man given to anger. Or go with a hot-tempered man. Or go with a hot-tempered man. Lest you learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Well, guess what? When this guy given to anger starts getting angry, guess what you're going to probably respond and learn to do? Respond in anger. And that's, again, why I uh, consider my mother such an amazing, amazing woman with the things she put up with, Um, I think, for the sake of us children. So don't go with a man given to anger. Don't do it. Gosh, I'm looking at the clock, and I'm looking at my notes. And uh, I'm going to start speaking faster. Turn to the book of Matthew. Maybe we won't turn to all these. Let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. I'm going to share. I'm just going to read off a few of these from the New Testament, and then get to our ending, where we need to be—the the manifestation of Christ and the Spirit with forbearance. Right? That's that's where we need to be. Um, why talk about sin all the time? Because the Bible just does. <laughs> you know, Paul and Jesus and John and James. They. They just warn us so often about these things. 521, you know this passage, you're very familiar with it. You have heard that the ancients were told, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, you shall not commit murder. There you go, don't commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Whoever says to his brother, Rocka, Shall be guilty before the Supreme Court, and whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fire hell. Man, why is that? Why is that? And I've meditated and thought on this all the time. Not sure I got this one, but here's what I've come up with The end. The worst-case scenario end of a bad relationship is murder, right? "You stole my girl? Pow. I'm angry at you. Is murder. The beginning, the beginning of these bad relationships is, what? Anger. And Jesus says the beginning is just as bad as the end. The beginning is just as bad as the end. Where is it? 1 John somewhere? He says, uh, if you're you're an angry person, you're a murderer. Right? He equates the two again. How is that? Not me. A man given to anger, a man who allows anger to rule and reign in his relationships, equates it with murder. I'll let you meditate on that. And... um, Make your own conclusions. Very strong words, though, aren't they? Very strong words. I've never murdered anyone, but real quickly Romans 12. Got got to see this. Romans chapter 12. You know, sometimes we think we are not. Angry and rebellious uh, people, mainly because we just go our own way. You know, sing, uh, uh, single people can be like that sometime older, you know, single people out from the authority of their parents, and if, if something maybe even seems to begin to make them angry, they just move on and and ignore this, And right? Everything looks calm on the surface, and... Uh, but it's not. Uh, in other words, what I'm saying here is I really want you to take a deep look into your heart right? and and see to to see what's there. Uh, Charlie will recall this, that one year in one room, we assigned these rooms somewhat randomly, we had the most, two of the most contrasting students, I believe, Charlie correct me, if we've ever had, we had a skinny poor fellow with one pair of clothes from Uganda and a cool dude from California and I have to say the kid from California showed himself well before the end but anyway he was older 24 was he Charlie I forget something like that he was cool everything was cool yeah man it's cool uh and but he he had this uh, you know negligence of you know some of the some of the rules we set down at the hill so we can make the year run smoothly like a football team or a basketball team or a baseball team teams need rules and uh, I talked to him one day and uh, I said Dave oops <laughs> there's his name that's general yeah. I said Dave you you know you've been coming in a little late from curfew. He says, yeah, man, it's cool. I said, what you do? You just, 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 you know, you, no, just just hanging around at the gym. I said, well, Dave, we have a curfew, and I tried to explain the reason to him. He says, yeah, well, I, he said, I thought that was for the younger kids. This guy's 24, you know, and I said, well, it's, he goes, it's not, I said, it's no big deal. Just, he goes, yeah, yeah, it's no big deal. What's the big deal about keeping the rules? And something hit me, and I said this to him. I said, Dave, I want you to do this. I want you to try to keep the rules for one week. Keep the rules for one week. This is a true story. He came back after that week. Wasn't quite shaken, but he was upset, and he goes, Mr. Bushhouse, I can't. Keep the rules. I believe that was a turning point in his life. So never say because you have, you know, everything's flowing and good, and you see that. You, but examine your heart. Examine your heart and see your attitude toward authority, your attitude toward um, things, toward people, and see if perhaps there might be some uh, rebellion and anger. Rebellion's closely associated with anger. Uh, where did I tell you to go? Romans 12? <laughs> yeah, Romans 12. Another very, very familiar passage. A good one uh, A good one to uh, keep on your heart and mind. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Don't pay back. Let's say he did this to me. I'm going to do this to him. Right? I don't get angry. I don't get even. I just get even. You heard that from him? <laughs> Well, why do you want to get even? In fact, that's part of the definition of the anger, this desire to repay. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, great memory verse here, folks. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And ask yourself uh, this morning, right now, is there a relationship that is just, you know, in your heart is not right? But that relationship is not right. And then ask yourself this question. Is there anything I need to do for my part to get it right? And we need to say, concerning every relationship, I've done everything I need to do I remember one day I was getting ready to go to church worship God and I uh, I don't not know why you know how the Lord does this but he brought to my mind someone and when that person came to mind I knew that something was not right from the past I called this person. I said, hey, this is Bill Bushhouse. I need you to forgive me for... And and I didn't have to confess a sin to the guy because I don't think a sin, but I confessed that I left the gap in the relationship. Does that make sense? That I did not do everything within my power to reconcile. I remember another time uh, recently... um, we have this good, very good friends, Just very good friends, and they come over to the house, and uh, the lady doesn't even knock. She just walks in, you know, here I am. And um, we were talking. I said something harsh to her. And uh, it was just harsh. Let's, let's just put it that way. So the next day in church, we're getting ready to have communion. And guess who the Lord puts on my mind? And the Lord said, "Bill, don't you not don't take that communion until you get it right with." So I'm here in the middle of the sanctuary. She's over on the left wing. We have a middle, a left, and a right wing, sort of a political church. And uh, <laughs> she was sitting over here, and. I had to go back to, uh, over, down the outside, find her row, and she was about three or four in. So she squeaks out of her row. I said, Hey, I am so sorry for speaking ugly to you yesterday. Would you forgive me? She said, Well, I don't even recall that. <laughs> I said, Was all this for nothing? No, I didn't do that. Um, I went back with a good conscience, right? With a good conscience that I had done everything possible to make sure in my conscience and in my mind that I was at peace. I had done everything. I did not want that. I did not want her to hold on to that because I've had people hold on to things before. Never take your own revenge. We're not going to turn there. Galatians 5.20, one of the deeds of the flesh is... Anger, it's a deed of the flesh, clear and simple. Um, excuse me, in Ephesians chapter five, uh, four rather, uh, verse thirty and thirty-two, it tells you several things, and it says, you know, don't be angry, put away angry. and listen to this: do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? We want to live in and through Christ, amen. We want Christ to manifest His life through us, but that is impossible. When we're angry, right? We are grieving the Holy Spirit. We are grieving the Holy Spirit. And again, we want to take care of that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Here's a verse that uh, uh, every man, every father should hang on his tablets of his heart. Uh, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Don't push your authority too far. You've got it. You're supposed to use it. But oh my, that edge. You know what I mean? No one knows what I mean? I'll explain it to you. (laughs) There are times when you just think maybe coming down a little harder might straighten things out. And guess what? It does not it provokes them to anger. So God says, real, just one sentence, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, I want to skip forward. I think you get the picture on anger, right? It's not good. It's not good. And I want to get to this wonderful, wonderful contrast that is uh, the nature of our father, the nature of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, And that is uh, many words I could have chosen here, patience, kindness, gentleness, all of which are true. But forbearance seemed to be the word for me that is the opposite of anger, forbearance. In fact, there's one place that says, be angry, but sin not. There's things we get angry over, right? There are things, events. You cannot look at any headline hardly and not have some sort of anger. But be angry, but what? Sin not. Sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Get rid of it quickly. Take care of it quickly. Uh, Mr. Kelfer, my dear old friend, used to say that one type of anger is what he called firecracker anger. (laughs) He says there is not much... He says the volition does not much... Have much time between the lighting of the fuse and the exploding of the firecracker, so you got to take care of it quickly, quickly. Anyway, forbearance. Uh, let's start with Romans, since we're there. Turn over to chapter two. We're going to look at first of all how it is the character of God. The it, it, there's only one reason to be forbearing, and that is that God has been forbearing you, right? Uh, If God has forgiven me, I should forgive my brothers. Let's look at Romans, excuse me, chapter 2, chapter 2 and and verse 4. He's talking about these people who are somewhat negligent of sin, in this case the Jewish community. He just blasted away on the Gentiles. Now he comes to the Jewish community, he says, Verse 4, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Those are great words, aren't they? Contrary to anger, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. And here's what he's saying. He says, do not misunderstand God's forbearance. Does that make sense? Do not misunderstand God's forbearance as pleased with you because in some cases he may not be he might just be showing his kindness and patience and forbearance but nevertheless in our case as we shift down to us we should not be concerned if people misinterpret our kindness and patience and forbearance does that make sense I want to show kindness and patience and forbearance because they're going to misunderstand that and think that their sin is okay and we do, you know, that crazy kind of thing. That quick. Forbearance. It's the identical word in the Gospels where Jesus says, how long shall I put up with you? How long shall I suffer you? In the King James, I like that. How long shall I put up with you? but it's not a, it doesn't have that uh, negative connotation that our idiom does. It's, uh, it's forbearance, forbearance, pure and simple. 3.23 of Romans, uh, you know this well. Beginning in Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified... Here's what God did for us. As a gift by his grace, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith, this was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. What did God demonstrate at the cross? His righteousness, his attitude towards sin, and what? His forbearance. His forbearance. Why did Jesus go? Why didn't he just pour out his wrath upon us who deserved it? Because he was, because of his forbearance. His forbearance, slow to anger, kind in all his ways, ready to forgive, patient, gentle. In the forbearance of God, He passed over our sins. I was 24 when I got saved. I got saved a little later in life, and I got saved out of a, you know, a pretty, pretty um, loose life. And I look back then, particularly, and I say, I am amazed at the forbearance of God. I'm utterly amazed. I stand amazed in the presence, right, of Jesus of Galilee. Wonder how he could love me, he said. Uh, I just often think of his forbearance. And we had a great gathering for Tom and Martha's 30th wedding anniversary last night, congratulations. And uh, it made me think back on all, I don't know why I'm like this, on all the stupid things I've done and said with so many of the people in that room. And I thought again, I said, Oh, the mighty and wonderful, I actually thought this, forbearance of God toward me. The wonderful forbearance of God toward me and how quick I am. How quick I am to not forbear. Oh, maybe in my external being, but here, you know, here in the heart from which everything flows, but the forbearance of God. Let's finish up with just, real quickly. You know what I'm going to do? Well, let's turn there. I, want, I love reading them. I, th- I think there's something valuable in turning there. Nothing else. It gives you a Bible book quiz, you know. Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Here we just have some very simple commands. Very s- simple commands. In Ephesians 4, beginning in 1... Verses 1 and 2, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing what? Forbearance to one another in love. Wow, right off the bat, how do you walk worthy? Humility, the opposite of that first thing we talked about, right? And gentleness could be one of the gentleness and patience and forbearance, all three of which... Could be the opposite, are the opposites of, of anger. How do you walk worthy of Christ? Showing forbearance to one another. Showing forbearance to one another. Watch what you say about people, you know. Just endure it in the same love that Christ endured with you. Um, Colossians 3:12, just as Christ does love you, we love one another, forgiving one another forbearing one another even as God in Christ has forgiven you. We forbear with one another how? Just as God did with us. And now I want to finish. I want to try to take all three of these lessons and put them in a funnel and boil it all down to our, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope uh, through mainly the negative picture of mankind that I have contrasted the beauty of Christ. Uh, that he is Unlike uh, sinful man, that he is unlike sinful man. Where we are arrogant, he is humble. Where we are greedy, he is generous. Where we are angry, he is forbearing. And we're going to go to that great passage in 1 Corinthians 13. You may not even need to turn there. Love is patient, love is kind, right? Those great uh, descriptions in 1 Corinthians 13. I want to pick it up in verse 4. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. So there's, gosh, there's several right off the bat. The opposite of pride is in there. One of the opposites of anger. And do, and at, love does not act becomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked to anger. Does not take into account a wrong suffered, right? Forbears, forgives. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. And listen to this. Love bears all things. Same word. Love bears. How do we bear? We love people. How? Through Christ who lives in us. Jesus Christ, more than anything else, wants to manifest his love first in us, we're recipients of that love, and then through us. We're givers, sharers of that love. Uh, And I think one of the fundamental attributes of love is forbearance. Is forbearance. That he does not take into consideration our sin, but forgives and cleanses and loves. Jesus Christ Is love. I like to read this passage, and where it says love, I like to put Jesus in there. I hope that's not too far off, huh? Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind, right? Jesus, you know, I think that's right. Um, You theologians can argue with me later. You won't win, but you know, (laughs) just don't get angry. But no, I think I think that's the manifestation of Christ in us, right? And to boil all this down in the three weeks, I said, is that Jesus, I want you to know we cannot merely say, uh, yeah, Christ is living his life through me. We cannot merely say, yes, I'm walking in the Holy Spirit, but those fruits have got to be there, right? There must be humility. There must be contentment and generosity. There must be kindness and patience and forbearing with one another. Uh, If not, everything is just verbal, and we don't want that, do we? We want to show Jesus. We want to show the love of Jesus and in truth. We want to love indeed, not in word and truth, as John puts it. With that, um, uh, let me pray. I want to do this, though. I want to take just maybe 30 seconds, and I want you to be quiet. And I want you to think, is there anybody I need to get right with? Is it just, just be quiet before the Lord. Let him speak with you, and then I'll close this. Father, I want to thank you first that uh, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. I want to thank you that rather than pouring your uh, wrath, your just wrath, out on us, you poured it on your Son, that you substituted him in our place and gave him for us what's amazing love, amazing forbearance. In light of that, Father, I ask that in ever-increasing measure, we might demonstrate that same love, forbearance, humility, and gentleness, and patience, and kindness toward one another. That today, we would, every one of us, desire to start afresh, if there's anything, nagging our conscience, that uh, we'd get it right that you'd strengthen us by your spirit to make it right and that uh, every day we might take up our cross yield ourselves fully to you body soul and spirit walking in newness of life enjoying your life the resurrected life of our lord jesus christ i thank you i want to thank you for my dear dear friends here father how kind they've always been to me and forbearing. Father, I thank you for them, and I thank you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.